And since 2020, I'm the director of the International Film Festival Rotterdam. Mm -hmm. Since then, I'm here as well. Okay, so the reason for your moving to Rotterdam was becoming a director. Correct. Uh, just before that, I was living and working in London mm -hmm. for a streaming service, a movie that I think a lot of the listeners are big, familiar big, with. Big yeah. fan here, big fan. Mm -hmm. So, and... Um, Were you uh, born in Croatia? Yes, at the time, Yugoslavia, of course. Yeah. All right, okay, yeah. okay. And um, when can you recall going to the movies or having a film-related experience for the first time? Ooh, probably some Disney cartoon that uh, was so... There's always something very traumatic that happens in the beginning and then, uh, you know, uh, yeah. you have to sort of be, understand for yourself, can I overcome this amount of uh, trauma to continue <laughs> watching the film further, like uh, Bambi or whatever. Yeah. Maybe something like that. But uh, what happened in Croatia, like everywhere else in former Yugoslavia, it's then when the war broke out, so all the cinemas, at least in my tiny provincial town, coastal town of Pula, they all closed down. There was nothing happening in distribution anymore. Of course. So uh, I distinctly remember the cinema I used to go to turned into a parking lot. And <laughs> to this day, it's still a parking lot. I went this summer to check it out if the screen is still there. And the screen is still there. It's unbelievable. Oh, nice. But okay. they didn't turn it into a, you know... A, a monumental yeah, or something. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Okay. But of course, other cinemas since then uh, opened up and so on. But we had a long break in terms of uh, anything cultural related. You know, whether it's film distribution, mm -hmm. concerts, theater, everything kind of went on hold in those formative or teenage years, so to speak. So for me, where I really started, you know, attending screenings in cinemas and so on was uh, later on when yeah. I went to study to mm -hmm. Ljubljana, to Slovenia. Mm -hmm. And then it was really a type of a daily pilgrimage to the Slovenian Cinematheque in Ljubljana, where I kind of devoured and started overcompensating or compensating for all this time, right, that uh, I missed. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I think... Once you go through that type of experience, uh, you just continue overcompensating for the rest of your life. I think <laughs> that, that will never stop. Uh, uh. But uh, what we did have, however, is those uh, bootleg VHSs going around. That yeah, was, was still about, the yeah, time of VHSs. I was about yeah. to ask because we're, I, I, from what I hear, we're both the VHS uh, uh, generation. Even my time was better, Max, but it was really, you know. <laughs> um, so was it um, also in that time in Ljubljana that you found your calling? For sure. I was very attracted to cinema, to the films, to the art of filmmaking. Yes. Not that I had an aspiration to become the director even back then, but mm. there was something about cinema and movies that I felt there's, you know, there, passion about it. I of couldn't course. articulate it, what it is. Mm. But once I started uh, going to the Slovenian Cinematheque so frequently, you also create your own network. You know, you start meeting people, you start meeting people that have similar passions as you do mm. and from there you start learning about what this could mean and what this could be mm -hmm. and those kindred spirits were they 
students or were there also people that you met in the cinema, for example? Or? Mainly in, in the cinematheque. This mm. is where my first sort of crowd, my uh, mm. inner circle came to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was curious about that time in, in this region was that because the regular theatrical distribution for art house cinema was pretty much non-existent, yeah. we could notice the birth of film festivals, but like mushrooms, right? They started spreading all across the region. And the most known to this day is Sarajevo Film Festival. Mm -hmm. But we had a few others in uh, in Istria, in uh, part of Croatia that I come from, which was a very first film festival I attended as a volunteer, mm -hmm. lying about my age, because uh, <laughs> you apparently had to be 18 to, uh, to become a volunteer. And I was 17, but uh, I went there. They never asked for an ID. Uh, so uh, here you are. There still I, survived. My first job was to run the box office. Yes, I remember that. So uh, it it was around these two elements. So uh, well, throughout the student years, of course, the Cinematheque and everybody, the circle I have created yeah. and friendships I uh, gained to, that I have to this day, of course. Uh, um, and you can see some of these colleagues now, friends run Cinematheque in Vienna. Nice, this nice. and that. You know, everybody developed their own professional track within the within the you know profession. And uh, but what was also equally important for me were those independent film festivals around uh, the region of former Yugoslavia, and so namely Motovun, the one in Istria, and uh, Sarajevo, where I ended up in some kind of a volunteer exchange program that we had between Motovun and Sarajevo, and uh, and I stayed there uh, as a programmer actually uh, for almost twelve years. So I started as a volunteer, helping out in things that. I pretended I know, but I didn't know. But then you just learn on the go. But fake that, it, that fake it till you make it, right? Basically. At that time, everybody had to fake it till they make it because uh, how mm. else are you going to do that? But mm. on the other hand, there was a crazy motivation and energy to make the impossible things happen. Yeah, because, and I, uh, can, I can imagine coming from uh, the stories, of course, that were happening and, and the background and, and, of course, the war. There was a sense of expression in, in cinema. And, and, and the expression of, of, of grief or anything, right? Yeah. Yeah, but also to see something else. Exactly, yeah. Instead of mm -hmm. showing only the, the what the world would see in the news was like, ah, oh, we're only seeing people suffer. You also want to see some hope or anything. Mm. I one, never remembered one of the open air screenings we did in Motowun was uh, Buena Vista Social Club from mm -hmm. Benders. Mm -hmm. And uh, was it Benders? Yeah, I yeah think it was so. Benders. Yeah. And uh, just listening to the music in the middle of the summer in this tiny medieval, you know, city mm. that is also very gorgeous, but just for a moment you're transfixed was, and yeah. transported to something <laughs> else and that creates those energies that are uh, that are really unforgettable. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people have that intimate um, experience uh, with with cinema where you can sit in the cinema and share the intimacy yeah. of, of seeing something and, and the screening, etc. So coming from Ljubljana, then, then uh, volunteering, programming, eventually moving to, was it directly to London where you came? Actually, no. Uh, Sarajevo was the festival that uh, introduced me to more uh, nuanced uh, understanding of the independent uh, film industry as well, because there had a bunch of professional activities happening in Sarajevo, and mm. that was largely actually thanks to Rotterdam team at the time that... Mm. Uh, Offered, flying over. Yeah, flying over, offering to Sarajevo team to come to Rotterdam and understand, mm -hmm. you know, all the professional activities that the festival does, because mm -hmm. to a certain extent, they're kind of replicated in uh, in Sarajevo and all over the world. But OK, let's now uh, speak specifically about Sarajevo. So that allowed us to learn about different activities in the industry. Mm -hmm. 
and extend our networks because a lot of international professionals from all over the world, but also mainly Europe, were coming to Sarajevo to discover local talent, mm. you know, network with people. So for me, that was an opening into something beyond the region of the Balkans. Mm -hmm. And uh, there I met uh, a film producer and uh, international sales agent. So he had a company that both uh, represented film for international sales mm -hmm. and produced them who had a very distinct taste, and still does, of course, and um, working with a small number of uh, directors that are very known today, and were known, like Uli Gizeidel, Roy Anderson, uh, Jessica Hausner, Ruben Oslund, uh, Carlos Regadas at the time. And uh, we started discussing cinema, what works, what doesn't, what kind of directors uh, we find interesting. And he noticed that our tastes align. Well, similar. Mm -hmm. Quite similar that, mm -hmm. to the degree that he said, well, if you ever want to move away for this, from this region, there is Paris, there is Germany, because he had offices in three cities in Europe. Mm -hmm. You can choose between uh, Copenhagen, uh, Berlin, or Paris, and uh, and see if you would like come to work for me in acquisitions for you know for international. Movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, why not? So uh, well, it wasn't that quick, but uh, it took me some time to decide to leave the re you know the, where I was living at the time. It was between Ljubljana and Zagreb. In Croatia, and uh, but that there was a mo uh, point in time I was like, okay, maybe it's time to try and go live abroad, and that was Paris, and uh, this is where I stayed for about eight years first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Paris, London, big cities, and then Rotterdam, but the big city, small big city, your small big city in film sense, exactly. right? Um, right now you're working for the IFFR. Tell us more about the mission right now of the IFFR, because I know it was um, made by Hubert Balls to promote independent movies, of course, and, and of course, promote upcoming uh, directors. Of course, this is like something everlasting. Mm -hmm. um, what is it right now that, because of course, the society has changed a lot ever since it was, it was uh, funded, um, the IFFR. What, is, what can you tell about the change that has been going on lately for the IFFR? Or since decades, because I would say that every decade or, uh, brings something new true. because Migration, society wars, changes, yeah, values yeah. change. True, you know, we sometimes we you know, have discussions like what avant-garde cinema was in the 70s. Mm. We cannot consider it avant-garde anymore. Mm -hmm. you know, we should still show a lot of films that are experimental in nature, but we should also be asking ourselves what is avant-garde in you know, 2023 and where it happens? You know, mm. Does it still happen you know, in Austria, UK, mm. and the US, which are leading nations when it comes to avant-garde experimental cinema? Mm. But also, you know, look what happens in Philippines or Chile. For or that in matter. Africa. Or in Africa, mm. of course. Mm. So in that regard, the mission or the path that Herbert Baus has set for the festival has not changed. It's always you know, looking for that discovery to look in areas that may have not been sufficiently represented True. in the world but mm. for that we of course have to understand where we are as a film festival ourselves where the world is standing mm -hmm. and what we can do mm -hmm. to continue that mm -hmm. mission that of course stays on the same path but to, in this age for instance today if we were to talk about it it's about it's thinking about expansion and diversification mm -hmm. so it's still very much about discovery but perhaps not in the same concept as we were you know in, as in 1972 yeah, because in a sense a lot of art house cinema, just uh, to give uh, a very simple example, that Hubert Boss could not find in regular distribution anywhere, pretty mm -hmm. much in Europe, and was fed up about what was on the big screens being shown. 
he went around the world actively traveling, meeting people, listening to what people had to propose and bringing back those incredible works that you would never see anywhere never else. Find. Yeah, yeah, because but today, sorry, but today this type of art house cinema uh -huh. is present in so many other film festivals, yes. you know, gets selected to all the major festivals, gets bought by distributors mm. and comes to regular distribution today mm. here mm. in our own cinemas in Rotterdam, but also everywhere else in the Netherlands, which mm. means that to a large degree, that mission has been accomplished yes. and that dream that Hubert Boss have had has, uh, has become true. He planted the seed and now we're, exactly. in, we're standing in a field of flowers. Um, I'm a <laughs> fan of movie, of course, and I see a lot of first or only found prints being restored, for example. And um, so I'm seeing them through streaming agencies. Um, does this, 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 excuse me, did this also have a very large impact on, on the way um, you choose or, or you invite your directors in the sense of, of okay, if a movie is already being, because now the access, it's not that you only have to go to a cinema. Yeah, it's ubiquitous, can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what, what kind of impact does, did this have on, on, the, on the film festival? It usually precedes uh, streamers, what we do in the sense that we are the step before uh, streamers take over, uh, especially because where we stand, where our mission is, it's always in, uh, in the discovery realm. It's always what others are not doing, most likely we are going to look into doing that. Uh, same goes for restorations or classics, as you are mentioning right now. Uh, many festivals, when they introduce their classic program, uh, speaking about Cannes, Venice, Berlin, mm -hmm. Locarno, mm -hmm. they're gonna go with the directors that are restoration of films. That it's like it's Ozu's new restoration of Good Morning, which is fantastic and deserves, you know, to be screened in a festival like Cannes or whichever it was at. And you marvel in how fantastic, you know, what do you see now in this film that has been finally restored? But what we are we going to look at, we are not going to bring Ozu to Rotterdam uh, because other festivals do that and some streamer is going to restore that or Douglas Sirk that mm. is a magnificent filmmaker and I enjoy every restoration that has been done and uh, going to watch them on the big screen. But where we step in, in, you know, in relation to everything that is happening, it's uh, actually somewhere else. The restorations that are going to come to Rotterdam are those ones that are often discoveries often made because we said we would like to screen this in Rotterdam when we work proactively with uh, national film archives mm -hmm. all across the world. And then they prioritize those films that maybe even on their list of restorations are gonna, you know, are maybe not at the top. And then this kind of accelerates this process. Uh -huh. So because our mission when it comes to history of cinema as such is to, to look at how from the contemporary today's point of view, we can reiterate that film history or history as such is something that is not fixed. Mm. There is no one single canon of mm. cinema that and somebody has set and now we are just following that of blindly. Course, of course. But we are filling the gaps. Mm. We are discussing it. Mm -hmm. We are, you know, you have, you can have active influence of understanding True. what film history True. is and True. how we can debate it. True. Yeah, and, and cinema is a very young art form, right? Yes. Because the spoken uh, uh, or sound, let's say it's sound and cinema was only 1920s, am I correct? Somewhere. So it's a very, very young, young form. Um, also, you were talking about selection, etc. How can I see this? Because I'm, I'm a film fan, <laughs> be, it, be it clear. But for people who are listening, who are not deep into the, the art house, what's the process? Do you have a big team of scouts and, and, and researchers? Um, do they fly, like you were saying, 
people were flown to Sarajevo. Is this still going on that people fly over and do research on uh, in other festivals, meet other people, etc., etc.? Is this still going on? And yes, of course. Uh, without that proactive or active research as such and traveling into different places, a lot would not have been achieved in terms mm. of discovery as such. Mm. Because if you just sit here and wait that things come to us, you risk of you know only presenting maybe great stuff, but they're not coming from people who still maybe do not know the festival and have to discover that they can place their work here and you know achieve yeah. some international recognition, new opportunities for mm. their work to be seen mm. or travel or create mm. new work opportunities for themselves. Mm. So of course there is all that after you exist for 50 years and why you have such an active uh, international professional activity such as Cinemart or HBF, which mm. IFFR does, uh, we can talk about that later. Uh, there is a huge network that the festival already has achieved, but uh, one should not get too comfortable in their seat True. and only close themselves mm. within an ecosystem that mm. it has created because mm. then you're just going into, you know, running in a circle. Mm. You have to remain flexible, perose, so to speak, to, you know, seek beyond that as well. And we were also, talking about this before, like to yeah. trying to change, change what Ubit Ball started and then also keep it fresh, of course, because that's the reason why people still come to the IFFR from all over the world yeah. to see things they normally wouldn't see in another festival. So that's why uh, to stay in his mission and mm -hmm. what he has started, you mm -hmm. also have to change. Exactly. You know, to quote Visconti's Gattopardo, uh, I think, in order to remain the same, I'm simplifying it, you yeah, need yeah. to change. Yes, yeah. true, true. Uh -huh. um, but uh, so, yes, there is a lot of uh, active research contacts that uh, sometimes do not necessarily happen by going only to international film festivals, but really doing tours, like especially when it comes to Southeast Asia. They're not necessarily only uh, events, but maybe institutions that we connect to. We literally sort of programmers, colleagues that, that do that. They're in charge of these territories. They either use Facebook, you know, yes, in terms of, of the, how they do any, their research, any, any, seeing what's being announced, this and that, knock mm -hmm. on people's doors, mm -hmm. people's mm -hmm. doors, and this is how we discover a bunch of things. And uh, a lot comes to you as well, of course. We, uh, but uh, there are territories that are always much harder than others, and African continent being one of them, mm. especially sub-Saharan, because Maghreb, to a certain degree, is always tied, or very often, tied to France. So True. those are uh, easier. And Egyptian cinema, of course, let's not forget. So those it's are, yeah. one of the biggest uh, cinema film industries, of mm. course, in the mm. continent, if not the biggest. But um, surprisingly, how many Egyptian films do you get to see in international festivals and in distribution? <laughs> okay, okay, Pretty yeah. zero to none. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah. what? And when I looked and how many films we are receiving from Egypt, it was, uh, you know, you could count it on two hands. It was not mm. flattering at all. Mm. So what we started doing is actually looking in the box office, like which Egyptian films, you know, performed best, uh, just to get an idea. And mm. last year we found an amazing blockbuster that really uh, was uh, the most successful Egyptian film in their box office that Kira and Elgin that we then presented here at the festival, I did really well. And this year we have a fantastic, uh, so that started, you know, circling of information. Mm. So one mm. film came to us from Egypt this year. Mm. That is, I mean, a comedy that is so intelligent, you know, it's so rare to do this type of comedies that do not drop the ball in a single moment, you know, no. and you're like just, well, it's about the blind football championship that mm. exists, mm. true story, <laughs> and a lot that happens uh, with yeah. it, so, um, yeah. and then that film turned out to be their Oscar contender later mm. on in the mm. year, because we selected it a while ago, so uh, this is how you have to start when you see something is not coming to cultivate you, something. you have to go there and uh, start cultivating nice. those uh, uh -huh. 
context. But sub-Saharan Africa, or until uh, South Africa, is uh, is always going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of traveling, being there, you know, connecting with people uh, is is the most important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I was to spend a day with Vanya, um, is it the regular thing that you start? Do you have like a process where some people they need their cup of coffee or they need to eat something or they need to do sports? How can I imagine being the director of IFFR? If <laughs> if we were to exchange, you would, I would be you, you would be me. Tell me, tell me what 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 happens. If I were you, I would nurture a little baby. <laughs> I was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you were me, you would first need to open a door of your room and let uh, a certain kitty called Gigi come in, mm -hmm. so he can uh, jump mm -hmm. on my bed and uh, do this whole uh, routine of purring and uh, cuddling. But then, of course, coffee is uh, essential to get the day started. And uh, then my Duolingo lessons in Dutch. How goes it with you? All is good? Yeah, all is good. But I'm not fluent. It's uh, happening. It's happening. I'm uh, making an effort. Um, what is then uh, important is the planning of the day, of course. And uh, understand if it's a day for meetings. This is how it's generally divided uh, because or it's a day for watching films, uh, because um, I didn't even mention, but uh, the size of IFFR program is really extensive. It's mm. around 400 films, mm. out of which um, 150 roughly are shorts, the rest are features, some yes. are contemporary features, films that we are putting in a program uh, for competitions, uh, main program, this and that, and others like special curated focus programs as well. So uh, it's quite extensive, you know, in, in directions in which is going in terms of research, Understanding, discussing. How many, how many uh, cinemas or places that they will be screened? Uh, they're going to be screened all across the city. So uh, we are working over 23 or 4 screens all together. Mm -hmm. So we are working in uh, in the city center with, uh, you have to do that, of course, Pate, Tatsu, Saddam, Art of Luxor. And then um, then we have um, from the cinema, Cinerama, Kino, and Lantern and Fenster. Mm -hmm. So you know the locations. Yeah. So then I look at the schedule and see, okay, is it a day to do you know a bunch of meetings with the teams to discuss whichever matter is relevant for uh, for me to be at the table for, which is execution of the festival at this point. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, I'm uh, staying at home uh, in my screening room and uh, just uh, watching. Yeah, powering through. A huge eyes, number of films. the eyes turned right. The way how we work actually as a team is that in the features we are a team of 12 colleagues and in shorts uh, eight now. And uh, we are looking, and we work with scouts as you mentioned. So in some territories that are large and far more difficult when thing, where, where things are not centralized, right? Yes, yes. And where productions are really big, there we have scouts as well. So mm -hmm. for Latin America, uh, for US. Uh, Japan uh, too. For Japan, mm -hmm. must because it's a huge production uh, country. They produce uh, 600 feature films a year, yeah. out of which one or two, three, four, all the same directors come to European festivals. But mm -hmm. everything else that's happening there, it's kind of under the radar in mm -hmm. Europe. So mm -hmm. our mission when it comes, for instance, to Japan is precisely that to bring those filmmakers and those films that show how varied production scene in Japan is and, mm -hmm. and, and show it to, to our audiences because IFFR in the past had a really critical role in bringing Far East Asian cinema to Europe. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of it spread all out. Yeah, hence my question. But today, when you see it, kind of vanished again. There's, as I say, a few you know high-profile Japanese directors that mm. are always there in mm. some big festivals and some sometimes here as well, of course. Mm. But there's like everything else vaporized. Yeah, not here. <laughs> so uh, we are. This is this is when you ask about mission. You always have to look at each decade, almost or even shorter periods of times. Mm. Very, you know. 
carefully and understand where do we stand, what are these countries doing in terms of productions, mm. where they stay, mm. where they are in relation to other, you know, the world map of film festivals or film industry as How relatable, you mean? And Yeah, how mm. they're relating to them and what we can do for them as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I uh, ran through my day, but it's that. It's either office, you know, doing a lot of meetings, yeah. either in larger groups or with individuals, or and uh, or it's being at home, preparing, you know, going through the films, because uh, the way how we select films is so we are scattered across Europe. We yeah. have a few scouts, of course, that are living uh, far away, yeah. and uh, we meet each month now, especially leading up to the festival for three or four days. We're almost there. Mm-hmm. And now it's the last, last one mm-hmm. uh, coming in next week. So first we do shorts, like a few days of uh, going through shorts and then uh, mm-hmm. four more days going mm-hmm. through all the features. So we pretty much by then have seen all the films. Mm-hmm. We sit in a room all together and we discuss them because the idea is that all the programs are done together. So uh, there is no chief of one section or another. No, no, no. But the whole festival is uh, programmed, uh, you know, with all the programmers together mm-hmm. at the table who are very different from each other, so which is the there's idea. There's no one who has a veto, right, to say... Well, sometimes um, I will be very adamant about why a certain film mm-hmm. shouldn't be selected mm-hmm. or some other colleague. Mm-hmm. And this is the whole point. We spend time discussing. Why? Why not? Why, why yes? Why, why not? Okay, what nice. is your concern? Nice. Uh, what is the what generational gap in understanding certain film means? Of course, because of we course. have very different generations. Mm-hmm. We have very different backgrounds, mm-hmm. whether they're cultural or social and um, so on. So uh, that's incredibly enriches our discussion yeah, and, and understanding say, of cinema. And they say taste is something hard to discuss, right? So, yes, but mm. uh, what the film means, how you stand, why do you stand for it, um, why it should be the festival. Sometimes it's a three or four people's uh, preference for this film and yeah. arguments and understanding why it should be there mm. can prevail. So mm. it's not necessarily a democratic process <laughs> because it's very hard to have one and it wouldn't be good to have one in this circ- yeah. you know, when you're creating of a course. program of course. for a film festival. But the idea is that uh, we have to be broad, we have to be varied, we have to, you know, stand behind, of course, every selection that we have made, mm-hmm. and uh, and be there, uh, understanding who are you there for, and we want to be there first and foremost for Rotterdamers, yeah. for the city in Rotterdam, yeah. for its very, you know, diverse makeup. We want to. When, once the festival became as big as IFFR, you have that responsibility as well. So somewhere towards the end of the 90s, the festival really sort of Exploded. suddenly, yeah, yeah. you know... Outgrew itself, bloomed. you could say. Yeah. 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 And uh, that comes with big responsibility, which means that you cannot only look in one direction and say, this is the cinema we represent and that's it. But mm. uh, you have to really sort of start looking in many other directions mm-hmm. as well and say, okay, we want to be there for many citizens of Rotterdam and also uh, Netherlands as well and all the internationals that come here yeah, to course. discover stuff but uh, but first and foremost really you can, you can comply to everyone's taste but you're trying to keep it as diverse as possible exactly. and for anyone who wants to so the idea is when you come and you let's say you look for tiger competition or big screen competition films yes, yes. it's not our idea to please you with every film we have no, program no. but that you're going to find a few that really speak to you yeah. others less so yeah. but as you go through the selection yeah. you will find sufficient number of films throughout the whole program that mm-hmm. you're going to find very curious and mm-hmm. then they're going to mm-hmm. show you mm-hmm. something yeah, because you were speaking about the, the difference in, 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 in um, uh, generations where tastes might differ. Or values, uh, actually, values, more huh? the yeah. uh-huh. can, can you also, um, I presume that um, there's been, because you always want feedback from visitors, etc. Um, what is the um, biggest change in taste that's been going on 
for you, for example, how long have you been director right now? Now it's been my fourth, fourth year, year right? but only my second edition uh, in person. Yeah, because, because of let's the, not forget the pandemic. That there was yeah, yeah, let's not go <laughs> there. Started, let's not mention it. Too. <laughs> I started two weeks before the whole world went into a sort of global lockdown. Mm. So the first two editions uh, were, um, you know, uh, attempts of being there for the audience, uh, no matter what, but also for the filmmakers, uh, but not in usually online, you mm. know, not mm. in a form that we could really all uh, collectively meet together in a cinema and, uh, and do what festivals do. It's bringing everybody together. Um, so last year was actually the first uh, the first edition uh, that was in person for me, and it was uh, such a exhilarating experience, especially seeing so many audience members, general public, you know, enthusiastic about uh, coming back to the cinema. Of course. But the feedback, you know, some people, uh, I, you know, I, you get snippets. I get snippets because, you know, I'm running around and uh, from uh, total enthusiasm and excitement about being able to see a film to very sort of direct criticism. <laughs> How could you program this? <laughs> Just not only me, but everybody else left the screening. So that's have never been shy of giving direct criticism. <laughs> Um, how do you attract the younger visitors to the festivals? Now, I know the, the answer to this question, but tell us more. Um, because I know there's a um, kids fest, kids part of the festival. Tell us more about this. Education, indeed, it's a, it's a large... Ah, uh, oh, we have a baby film club, so something you have Ooh, to visit. Uh, yes, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I already have a new uh, audience member. <laughs> That's uh, good. Uh, so we have an education program that is going on for roughly 10 years now mm -hmm. and it's done uh, in two sort of strands. So one is curricular, which means that we work with, uh, with around 200 schools mm -hmm. from this region mm -hmm. um, from age 4 to 24. So it's really covering all levels. We are very ambitious, as you can see. One needs to start early, doesn't it? True. And extracurricular, where... For instance, uh, events like the Baby Film Club uh, comes in or, uh, you know, ki kids only or family and kids programs that are happening during the festival that anybody uh, can go to, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the idea is indeed to not only start with uh, film education early, but to sort of be far more attuned uh, to what media landscape today is, what audiovisual culture is, yes. what art yes. is as such and start developing discussions, discourse, and understanding of it very early on. And educational screenings in that regard are very valuable because it's not just, bomb. there's a film for you. There is a context around it. Yes. There is a discussion around it. Mm. The moderators that are brought on board mm. to work with kids have you know, a lot of experience in pedagogy and then also in um, audiovisual culture. Mm. And where we take role as well, it's not only in curation of the films that happen that we are going to be showing to, to kids, but also uh, developing teaching material. Exactly. Um, so uh, that conversion rate, though, is the one that we have to be very, uh, you know, as well, careful about, or careful. What I do mean, you mean exactly? Uh, conversion rate meaning once you're finished with uh, the school yeah. and educational program that we yes, develop. Yeah. Hence, this is the reason why you're coming to the festival. Mm -hmm. How do you stay? You know, once you're 24 and okay. you're out of okay. it, what is the conversion of those students towards the festival? You mm -hmm. know, and uh, so this is this is a big piece of work that uh, is very interesting to work on as well. Mm -hmm. So this is one way of how we work with younger audiences. And then, uh, I mean, the very straightforward answer to this would be bring young colleagues to work for the festival. Yes. Uh, whether they're programmers, whether they're volunteers, uh, volunteers uh, whether they're students. So yeah. what we started doing uh, for the last couple of years since I uh, joined 
the colleagues from the marketing and communication team had a great idea to say, why don't we just go to the universities yeah. and start, uh, you know, Scouting introducing uh, what do we do, how do we do it, showing films. Oh. So in the last couple of years, I've been touring uh, universities nice. and colleges quite a lot here nice. in Rotterdam. Mm. Uh, next week, I'm going to Erasmus, for instance, uh, mm. For, mm. for a talk. And we always show a film, we explain what we do and what are the possibilities for, uh, for students to, to getting you know, involved in, in the festival, not only as a you know, with a student badge, so you go and see as many films as you can, which mm. I would always recommend. It's fantastic and mm. most formative because you also, along the way, you meet a lot of people and uh, can find, as you said before, kindred spirits, mm. Um, mm. but also through volunteering or perhaps other programs that we have, uh, such as Young Selectors. Being more year. involved, I would say, Exactly. Right? Mm. Uh, we have a, uh, a program called Young Selectors when we bring uh, Young Rotterdamers to, to curate a program uh -huh. as well and bring uh -huh. their own audience, develop nice. their own programs. Nice. And what can be always very attractive to younger audiences is the program that is actually happening outside the film screen, meaning art directions, you know, mm. that Rotterdam since uh, decades has really a long tradition of presenting cinematic arts outside the, the film screen, right? And uh, so even in this space, we are going to be presenting something. Yeah, because we're in the art space, of course, so yeah. <laughs> Just underlining. Uh -huh. uh, reiterating that something is going to be happening here as well. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a huge, uh, quite impressive um, in immersive program as well at the festival. Mm -hmm. So very different types of uh, expressing oneself through cinema, but, mm, nice. you know, whether it's through a performance, through VR, through interactive oh. program, mm. through uh, exhibition or mm. installation. Mm. And it starts with the Kijk Module at the Central Station, actually. Mm -hmm. And mm. we have, um, yeah, I'm not going to tell which, I mean, everybody who passes through the station will we'll see. Will experience it. Will experience it, but it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's, I can call it your early morning dose of yoga, if you want, for instance. <laughs> just saying, just giving a hint. <laughs> How many awards can be won during the festivals? And what are the categories because i know there's so many different uh, i was reading into um uh, the the awards that were that can be handed out tell us a bit more about these uh, we have a quite a few the amount the yeah, amount yeah partner awards but uh, what the ones that are really uh, our festival awards yes, yes, i'm just yes. gonna go through them so i don't start uh, just listing a huge list because you rightfully pointed out there are quite a few awards <laughs> But the ones that are really proper festival uh, awards is, the, of course, the Best Tiger Competition Film, mm -hmm. which is uh, quite a significant award, of course, and uh, two special jury prizes that can be won in, the, in that same category. Yes. And those are for, you know, whatever it can be. So the jury can say it was because the acting was so fantastic, so mm. it can be given to an actor, mm. or it can be... Usually it is for directing or for the best film, but it has that, um, you know, uh, flexibility that yes. it can be for also, you want to distinct and award somebody for an achievement, specific achievement in the film, not just the film itself. Mm -hmm. Then we have big screen, mm -hmm. which is a, ca so maybe I should make a distinction why Tigers and big screen, what is the difference between the two competitions. Tigers are usually or only for the first, second, and sometimes third time filmmakers. Mm. Those ones who need that push still, those yeah. ones, it, it can sometimes happen that it's a third film. The emerging uh, director. But still an emerging director because mm -hmm. they may have not yet been on the international scene. The first two films were not really out there. So mm -hmm. this is where you step in with, but it, in general, it still remains first and second more frequently than mm -hmm. the third. Mm -hmm. And there we look for the most more unconventional cinematic voices, so to speak. You know, you can recognize somebody's already creating their own idiosyncratic language of mm. cinema mm. and so on. Mm. 
And whereas in big screen, there is no limit to how many films you have made. Mm. We this year, for instance, have a filmmaker who has their first film in it, but also a filmmaker who has made almost 14, 15 films already. Oh, right so it's see. varied yeah. and very mm -hmm. expansive, but there we sort of more aim for timeless, so to speak, mm -hmm. forms of cinema, mm -hmm. classical, mm -hmm. genre, popular, art house, documentaries, animation, mm -hmm. but films that, films that, you know, you can quite frequently encounter, or at least this is what we wish, at a big screen in distribution. Mm. So that, that section, in a way, aims to push for that, those yeah. films that no longer so regularly or frequently come to uh, our distribution mm -hmm. uh, circuit, mm -hmm. but the award itself is for that. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's uh, together with BPRO, mm -hmm. and there we um, there we encourage the film that wins an award, not encouraged, but that's part of the sort of um, agreement, so to speak, where the film needs to be shown uh, in cinemas, so it will be picked up by a distributor. Uh -huh. It's to stimulate uh -huh. the distribution uh -huh. okay, activity yes, around yes. it, and uh, then then it also it goes to small screens further okay. down the line. Okay, EPR. but not to other film festivals, but really into cinema directly. Yeah, to make it so clear. the question is quite uh, how quickly, but yeah, that's part of the agreement that uh, once you okay. win that award. Okay. Okay. And um, and then we have of course short films. Mm -hmm. Uh, where we, in Tiger Short Competition, we give three awards that are equal in value each of 5,000 euros, which mm. is quite nice. nice. And then uh, there is a very important award, the Audience Award, mm. uh, which always surprises us. <laughs> uh, IFFR is one of the rare festivals where distributions kind of sometimes end up pulling their hair because they cannot believe that Someone's those films that are usually winning all the Audience Awards at the <laughs> other international festivals, when yeah. they're in Rotterdam, 20, 25, you know, <laughs> and something that is at number one, it's like a, the least, it's like a, an opera, yeah, you know, yeah. and that can happen in Rotterdam. So it's the most curious audience. That's uh, nice. Yeah, that's that nice. speaks about how this audience uh, of IFFR is generous, is open, yeah. is really passionate about what they do, because really, last year we saw the top 10 and there was like full of surprises. Nice, you know? yeah. nice, nice. So the, to come back to the tiger, because I was always, I grew up with the tiger around me. Where did, where did the logo come from? How did they come up with it's the... It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a tiny bit of a mystery, but mm. uh, it was also to look... Uh, there is a book uh, that uh, was also published on uh, Hubert Boss as well a while ago that uh, that's also debated in it. So what was, uh, what was the history of the tiger? It kind of remained a bit of a secret, but uh, the idea was uh, which other you know, a big uh, emblem was not used in mm. film festivals mm. because Berlin had a bear, uh, the lion has a, a leopard, yeah. there is a MGM lion, mm. you know, so mm. it was uh, mm. it was related to, essentially it was related okay. to that. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think MGM, yeah, that was okay. the Okay, okay. Um, okay, this one already. Um, how many countries are represented in the upcoming edition? Do you know? We still have, we still have, um, one, two more weeks to go where the last big block of selection, selection. is going to be made, mm -hmm. but it's going to be over 200, I'm sure. Boom. Yeah. So for any anyone who is coming from any place of the world, he might find find a, a moving right Indeed, there, right? and in a city as uh, diverse when it comes to nationalities, numerous, I would say, as uh, as Rotterdam, this is also something we're actually looking into. So mm -hmm. uh, we know that we have a Cape Verdean community here. Yeah, I'm half Cape Verdean. So. And... Uh, <laughs> 
and uh, we you know will intentionally go to see what from Cupboard you know Verdian filmmaking scene we can True. pick up and True. we have a beautiful film that we have selected for this year so there's something for you right away mm. but then uh, we also look into Indonesia for instance that mm. uh, we feel needs to be represented so much more at IFFR because it's a big country yeah, big and country. a big uh, cinematic culture yeah, as well yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, when you look when you look at the program of IFFR from last year but also in the coming edition, you will see a wide range of uh, Indonesian films. Mm -hmm. So what you could see perhaps more in the past is like an art house film, this mm -hmm. and that, mm -hmm. beautiful stuff as well. Yeah. But what we are trying, what I meant about diversification and expansion is precisely that. So we are not only looking what's happening in art house cinema in Indonesia, but we are also going to look into what's happening in exper experimental scene, what's mm -hmm. happening in mm -hmm. documentary scene. Mm -hmm. We have an amazing film, uh, documentary film this year coming from Indonesia. Then in the more popular realm. So one of the most known uh, Indonesian popular filmmakers in genre filmmaking, he, they have a completely new film coming up, mm. uh, 13 Bombs in Jakarta, I think this is the title, that will close their own film festival in Jakarta now and then comes to Rotterdam. And uh, it's really one of those, uh, you know, box office, uh, exciting. Uh, you exciting. know, exciting filmmakers. Mm. and. That range, you know, of what Indonesian cinema today is, is what we are very interested in showing. Which, which, um, which part of the world is surprising right now? Oh, there is one that uh, I don't know where where the level of surprise will end. Mm. India. Mm. Yeah, of course. Well, it has a tradition of Bollywood. But much more than that. Much more than that's that, the, because a, a lot of people they know when you think about India, they think about ah Bollywood and everything, and then those three, four hour long movies. Um, and why? Tell me why? Why? Well, first and foremost, they produce two thousand films, feature films a year. Mm. Can you imagine what mm. happens there? And uh, mm. it's the language, it's the freedom uh, of expression, you know, through through cinematic forms that are so unusual to us, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at the certain more traditional grammar of cinema and which visual language is applied when and what uh, genre gets mixed or does not. In mm -hmm. India, it kind of uh, blows your mind. There is just one film now that we have selected for a big screen competition that I really, you know, you watch this film, it blows your mind and you just don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what I have seen. I just see it so brilliantly directed. Mm. It has, it's from Tamil Nadu region and it has one of the most known stars from Tamil Nadu cinema. And they're apparently all going to come to the festival, which I'm so excited about. Mm. But you're like, what on earth am I watching? <laughs> you know, like this level of surprise. Sometimes some of those Indian films, you know, start at this typical, you know, uh, genre, kind of grim and bloody uh, gore type mm -hmm. of films mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. we are mainly used to be seeing from East Asia, you know, mm -hmm. from Mika Takashi's of this yeah. world and yeah. so on. Yeah. And uh, so it's very, very similar in that uh, realm. And then, like, it's always about three hours long, obviously, because <laughs> they need time to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. They have so much to say, mm -hmm. and that's true. And, uh, and then it turns into this avant-garde stuff all of a sudden you're like what wait a minute is this the same did I miss out? Yeah, 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 <laughs> and then it goes yeah. back into being something completely different so uh, in terms of discovering the level of richness but also you know from north to south to you know it's such a diverse country it's mm. a subcontinent uh, mm. on its own that uh, for us only to sort of we have an indian problem so to speak because there's so much to show that we kind of how can we narrow down and still represent everything that we <laughs> want to and bring that excitement also <laughs> to our audiences <laughs> How was it for you to have all this experience? Because movie is a streaming service, basically. Not only, not only. Well, but, they, uh, but 
for me, it's known as a streaming service. How was it for, for to come from? Because you were um, in Paris. What 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 was it exactly that you were doing in Paris? Tell us. So in Paris, uh, my job was to be in the acquisitions uh -huh. for the co-production uh -huh. office, the yeah. organization, uh, the company that I just mentioned. Uh, I was recruited for when I was still in Sarajevo, mm -hmm. and uh, later on I moved into again this split that I always liked nurturing. One was working for film festivals, mainly yes. in programming. Yes. So I worked for uh, Cinéma du Rennes, uh, which is a festival organized in Centre Pompidou in Paris. I was in their selection. The committee. middle of Paris. Uh -huh. That was in the heart of Paris. Mm. Yes. And I also worked for CPH Docs, for instance, as a programmer in, uh, in Copenhagen. Um, then uh, I was part of... Um, and then the industry side always interested me because I always had one foot in it. Mm. And that was uh, working for Les Arcs, which is a, a sort of a European equivalent to Sundance because mm -hmm. it's happening now at the end of uh, December mm -hmm. in 2,000 meters of altitude in a ski station in, uh, in French Alps. And mm -hmm. it's really fantastic. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. so I was running uh, for them all the professional activities, meaning projects in development, uh, co-production market mm. and works in progress section mm. and so on. It was really great because mm. Uh, mm. once you're done with your work, you just put your skins on. And so. then you go downhill. <laughs> but it was really not difficult to get all the most important, you know, CEOs of the companies yeah. to get to that festival because next to the badge, you also give them a free yeah, ski yeah. pass. So here we, like, here, here we go, here they go. Yeah, yeah, they were standing in line. Um, you've, so you've been a while out of Croatia, I would say. So this, this has been how many years? Already? It's more than, uh, it's about 20 years, yeah. Okay, and are you still in touch with the scene there, the cinema? Because I was about to ask, because a lot of times when people migrate for such a long time, you kind of get out of touch. You even, do. Even though it's online, even though you could get to speak to your mom every day. <laughs> I mean, my mom, she's gone back to Colombia, but being 40 years out of the country kind of changes your, you know, your perspective, your taste, etc. How is how How are you experiencing this? Are you still... Um, do you feel, of course, you feel connected because you are from there. Tell us more about how this is for, for someone being on a, in a spotlight of being the director of IFFR and at the same time for you personally as a creation, because uh, I, of course, being proud of where you come from. How is this? How, how does this juxtapose? It's, it's not easy. I right? mean, I think you're pin, you know, pointing at something that uh, having this like world, international, mm -hmm. big experience mm -hmm. and um, role in that, that mm -hmm. you need to represent everything mm -hmm. and everybody. Mm -hmm. I try to do your best in it uh, from year to year. And also, uh, you know, having still really one foot in Croatia. I think it's quite hard. So when I go to back home or um, to, to Sarajevo for the festival, then yeah. you kind of get to connect with everybody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course, the people that I grew up with and started working with in that region are still very, very close to me. And we can quickly exchange, uh, you know, do things together and discuss matters. But it's the new generations that mm -hmm. I'm not so connected yeah, with. Yeah, that was, I was about to ask. That's for much trickier, actually, right? because sometimes I hear some names that get submitted to Rotterdam or some films come to us, and I'm like, oh my God, I never heard of this person, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. like doing amazing things, but mm -hmm. we simply never had a chance to meet. So mm -hmm. um, the window, uh, you know, in terms of time that you have uh, to really get to know people and see their works and really get to know them even better so you can create some kind of relationship is narrowed down so mm -hmm. much so mm -hmm. that I don't think you can do the same thing. And of course, you have, you have the responsibility not to be biased by anything, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here's where you always have to be very attentive. Uh, for instance, when I know when I have a clear bias towards some of the films because 
close friends of mine have produced it, whether they're creation or not, you always state that. So mm. this is one of the things when we're entering meetings, we try to do, you know, you clearly state, okay, here I'm really biased. I like the film, but, <laughs> but I, I the other people, you, you yeah. leave it up to yeah, you. Yeah, because if somebody is one of my closest friends, I just cannot be yeah, the one. Yeah, yeah. Know. Being politically, politically correct, It's also of fair, course. fair mm. to mm. yourself, to mm. the mm. filmmakers, and mm. uh, also you don't want to, you know, feel that, a certain film has entered the program because of a preference. Mm, uh, mm. That would be a personal of preference. Course. Mm. The theme of, these, uh, of this first series of podcasts is raffineren. That's uh, Duolingo, raffineren, refining. Uh, what does this word mean to you or to your organization? And especially, uh, I'm curious what it means for a lot of other people that come to this podcast. But for us, I would say it's about... Um, looking at the world through so many different you know perspectives different forms different images and mm -hmm. uh whether it's uh through variety of art projects that we are bringing to the festival and the way how they reflect on the world and thematize you know topics that are so relevant to us and the ones that we want to defend to uh to um, really forms of expression especially visual ones that mm -hmm. blow our minds mm -hmm. and here mm -hmm. By having this luxury uh, at IFFR, and I must emphasize, we do, you know, to be a a big festival, and b, you know, to to have so much freedom allows us also to, you know, if we were to apply the word refine, allows us to really uh, create a program that can also, you know, reflect on that world, that word that you are uh, that you are using as yeah, a yeah, light yeah. yeah. So it's really that, uh, the, the freedom, because we are not a market film festival in the same way as uh, versus our colleagues that are just right after us in Berlin. Yeah. Or, uh, or, uh, so we do not have the pressure of the market to bring big films that are going to do a lot of money at the box office and so on. I mean, it's also very important to have those. Uh, we all need to eat, right? They say Because yeah, they turn the economy more than some others necess necessarily, but you know, we have our, our bit of a foot there, but not to the same extent and not the same pressure mm -hmm. as many other festivals do of this size and impact. That's mm -hmm. what, what, that's what's the key. So, the so we are sort of the biggest, freest, so to speak, festival. Exactly. It has, it's a double-edged sword. Sometimes things that you want, you don't get because they need to go where yeah. there is, you know, yeah. economy yeah. You know, yeah. market yeah. happening, yeah. but, uh, but it's not so stark in terms of contrast, obviously. But it does allow us to, the freedom that we have, we also take with a lot of responsibility, as I was just mentioning before. We think, who are we doing this for? Who is our audience? How can we expand our audience? How can people who may have not even thought of IFFR as being a place for them all of a sudden can recognize themselves mm -hmm. in it mm -hmm. and sort of feel invited by the festival? So uh, this is, uh, well, refine is a very important word, I would sure. say, in our thinking processes mm -hmm. uh, as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Vanya. Thank you. It was Kuala. such a <laughs> it was such a wonderful uh, conversation. conversation. Thank you so much, and um, uh, maybe till the next time. <laughs>